Religion isn't caught, taught, it's caught. That's an obvious statement that's worth repeating. Religion isn't taught, it's caught. Now, before any of our faith formation teachers say, well, if religion is caught and not taught, then why am I bothering? Well, like all expressions, it's not perfect, but it contains a very strong kernel of truth, one that makes me reflect a bit on my own childhood. Growing up in my grandparents' house with my grandmother and grandfather, mom and dad, aunt and uncle, it was like having six, uh, six parents. But there was also plenty of examples of strong faith in that house. And in general, society was more religious than it is now. It seemed like everyone went to church or to the synagogue on a weekly basis. But in my life, it was my mother who especially took the leading role in my religious formation. I remember well being in the kitchen as a small child and my mother telling me to always remember and live by the words of Jesus. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? I cannot remember a time or a moment in my life when I was not aware of God's holiness and majesty, and I especially loved the great mystery of the Mass. I still recall the awe that I would feel in the solemn High Mass, with its abundance of clergy and servers, and with clouds of incense billowing around the canopy that was above the altar. And then at the Children's Mass, we would sing the Lord Have Mercy, the Kyrie. We would sing it in Greek, while the booming organ shook our little bodies. Now here's a secret I'll let you in on, something that I have never even told my wife. She's finding out about it right now. Sometimes while driving alone in the car, I sing those words again that still awaken in me the awe I felt as a small child years ago. Kyrie. sound terrible, but we thought, as little kids, we sounded great. I remember the trembling excitement of my first confession and first communion, and I can still feel the gentle tap of the white-gloved hand of the bishop on my cheek, reminding me that I must be willing to suffer anything, even death, for the sake of Christ. Religion, yes, very much was caught by example, and by worship. But there's more than just that. I mentioned my mother's leading role in my faith development. Well, when I was about 11 or 12 years old, she did something that brought my faith to a different level. Shook me up, really. She gave me a Bible. Now, I knew the Bible stories inside out, the Old and the New Testament, but there was one thing I hadn't really looked at very closely. My mother told me to start by reading the Gospel. And just five chapters into Matthew's Gospel, I ran into this Sermon on the Mount that we've been reading from for the last four Sundays. To use a modern expression, what a game changer that was. It shook me to the core of my being because when I read it, I realized that following Christ was not so much just a matter of following the list of rules, but being transformed from the inside out. I realized it was not simply enough to not kill, 
what one must actually love and even love our enemies. It was not enough to avoid adultery. We must not even look with lust upon another. Not enough just to pray, but to pray with trust, to give with generosity, to not seek revenge, to give one's whole life. And are you ready for this? To be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. How is that possible? How can we be as perfect as God? I think perhaps we can first ask, what is the mission of Christ? Is it to make us nice or to save us, to transform us, to make us holy and to make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect? Remember this. Only saints are in heaven. And the mission of the church is not to be a chummy club or a mutual admiration society, but to make saints out of sinners, to help all people encounter Christ, to turn away from our sins and be faithful to the gospel. Everything we do in this holy place is an encounter with the living Christ, with the Christ who tells us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. What does it mean to be as perfect as God? It is to love. For when it comes to God the Father, love is all he knows what to do because love is what he is. And he does not measure out his love like with an eyedropper. He pours it out. That's why it says in another place in the scripture that the love of God consists precisely in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then the words of St. Paul in the second reading, which amaze us but also console us, when he says, you are the temple of God. You are the temple of God. And this spirit dwells in you. The command to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. How could we endure that? How could we endure the charge to be perfect? Unless we knew that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that is within us that transforms us and enables us to become like God. And so here, the proclamation of the scriptures, the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, and penance, they call us from sin and even from a self-satisfied mediocrity to holiness, to transformation in Christ. Let the message of Christ shake you to the core. Encounter him in the scriptures. Let his body and blood from this altar transform you and make you holy. When only ten days, Lent will begin. Lent, when we feel the grit of the ashes and the command to repent, to turn away from sin and be faithful to the gospel. Lent, when we reflect upon what is in our heart and we are determined to let the power of God 
transform us and make us holy. Don't just hear the words of Christ today. Listen to them. And they will change you. And they will give you an eternal and heavenly perspective. They will guide you as you walk through this life. So that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may be made perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. So that we are ready to walk on our way together to that place where we will enjoy the life of the world to come.